coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss how a threat actor led a charmed persistence. Next up, let's slip through the net log on. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 61, recorded on September 28th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Ain't going down till the pond comes up, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad Remote Anderson Trojan. And last but not least, a very special and not a new guest, the advanced persistent Tim Helming. Tim Helming, welcome back. Hey, what do you mean I was gone? I had this weird dream that I like I wasn't at DT for a while, but I don't, that must have been incorrect. You were in our hearts the whole time. We thought we scrubbed everything, but uh, you established persistence and um, have come back and uh, you know escalated your privileges, and now <laughs> now you're stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Well, we've very much missed you. We're so excited. Tim is going to be, of course, a recurring character on our podcast or guest. He's a character as well, I would say. Does that mean I have to learn other voices? (laughs) Yes. I thought we hired you with that contingency plan that you did, in fact, know other. That was in the contract, I think. (laughs) Have some calls to make after this. All other guests in between Tim's last episode and this one have actually just been Tim. Um, let's see if we'll talk about that. <laughs> he was tired of ghost <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> well, this is exciting too. I know we can't really share this with all of you, but we're now recording on Discord and I can see Chad and Tim's face and this hasn't happened for a very long time. So if, if there's long pauses, I'm just getting lost in there. <laughs> as tim sticks his tongue out at me all right well let's get going here so our first article of the day is how a threat actor led a charmed persistence so the cisa became aware via einstein cisa's intrusion detection system that monitors federal civilian networks of a potential compromise of a federal agency's network In coordination with the affected agency cisa conducted an incident response engagement confirming malicious activity. So Chad, should we begin with the quote-unquote activity? How did these uh, folks gain initial access into the network? So um, this is all like a very official um, response from CISA. We don't really know which federal agency was affected or outside of just, you know, detecting it with Einstein, um, uh, you know, what happened here. But it's apparent that they had Office 365 and domain administrator accounts from the get-go. Do you think when they came across those credentials, they just went, sweet? Yeah, they were probably just out there on pastebin somewhere. Um, (laughs) You know, that's where I go to get my credentials for federal agencies. I'd be curious then if the CSA analysts have any idea as to how they obtain those credentials that we're referring to. Yeah, they didn't really mention it. But if we had to make assumptions, you know, you have a couple of options here. You've got, uh, you know, your brute forcing, your phishing or spear phishing attack. um, and uh, then finally, insider threat, right? Um, so those are really the only options for obtaining those credentials. It's 
interesting that they already had the domain administrator account because normally, you know, you'll, you'll get into some access through a lesser privileged account and work your way up. Um, but in this case, they just got administrator right off the bat. Well, hey, you know, depending on the timing, maybe that's related to our second story today. You never know. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, true as well. <laughs> mm, okay, very interesting. And so after these threat actors gained said access, what did they do? What were they after? Yeah, so usual things began uh, exfiltrating sensitive files. Um, so do that in the usual thing of enumerating accounts in Active Directory. Um, and then they were piping all this through a reverse SOX proxy, uh, which let them connect out to a VPS to funnel all this data through. Um, it looks like they also zipped up a bunch of files. Uh, they also dropped it. So malware, of course. Um, so, uh, and, you know, all, all the, uh, the usual steps. I think I'm going to create a file folder on my machine called sensitive documents, and I'm just going to start diarying in there mm. and journaling. And so if, you know, they ever, I mean, that's still sensitive information. It's me being sensitive. So I think if that you would say be- it is, it is right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, so funny when I moved to Seattle, my first uh, apartment there, I moved in early, accidentally left it unlocked. Um, I had a, all my boxes stacked in the corner because they were supposed to come and still look at it. And one of the boxes was labeled sensitive things or no, it was like sensitive documents or important documents, something along those lines. I come back, um, all of my coats and my sensitive documents box has been stolen. The sensitive documents box was filled with all of my papers for my uh, English lit degree. So they had to read <laughs> all of my critiques on like 15th century literature and other garbage. And they assume that yeah. all of it was was uh, encoded secret information. Yeah, exactly. yeah somebody, somebody somewhere is still trying to crack your code. Yeah. In fact, they're listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> if you're out there, uh, they're worthless. Um, just like my English degree. Uh, <laughs> that is so very sad that you just said that just then. <laughs> English oh majors, pay no attention. You're fine. Yeah. yeah, you got to duel it with something useful like my dual French major. So uh, you got to really go out with a one-two punch if you want to be successful in this world. Chad's waging an internal hundred years war all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yep. Anywho, so did did these folks establish persistence as far as we know? Uh, they did. It looks like typical thing. They went and, um, you know, after having administrator access, um, they manipulated some accounts, created some accounts to stick around. Um, you know, uh, all the, the usual steps and the usual suspects um, in that chain. Why do I feel like that'd be a great band name? The Usual Suspects. Is that not already a band name? Well, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. It I think probably is. There probably are. I, I'd venture to guess there's more than one band with that name. Yeah. I will be on Spotify later. I will update we, all of we, you. Our band should be called <laughs> The Unusual Suspects. Yeah. <laughs> I still like the algorithms, personally. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> nice. Here comes treble. That's that's stolen from the office, though, so you can't really move forward with that. They've already got that <laughs> dialed in. Dang it. Um, okay, so this actor is logged in as admin. What what do they do next? Other than, of course, drawing out some of those sensitive documents, if you will. Yeah, so this is the the fun part um, from what you read in the report is that they drop a unique multi stage malware. Um, I haven't gotten a sample of it, um, but the analysis that they, that they show from CISA. 
uh, the malware had three stages there. There was the dropper and then this next stage, which uh, decrypted the file. And the final bit, which was used to create their tunnel and uh, communicate with their C2, actually create all those files and whatnot. So um, that was kind of the the fun part of this. Um, well, if you want to consider uh, federal agency being popped as fun. I see a real opportunity here for Costco um, to move into the malware space. They're, I mean, they're well known for their samples. So <laughs> yeah, Kirkland signature. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well done, Tim Helmy. Gosh, it's good to have you back. <laughs> oh, well, did it sounds like there's a lot of unknowns. We know some of the, the shenanigans and tomfoolery, if you will, that um, these folks were up to, but we don't really know a lot more from CISA, but I'm curious if they provided any recommendations to protect against this, again, this type of tomfoolery. Um, yeah, they, they say, you know, you should be monitoring for any large uh, data exfiltration. Um, you know, don't be running things or, well, look for things on non-standard ports. Uh, you should have an enterprise firewall. Um, again, they, you know, usual standard recommendations that um, keep being put out by agencies and people keep ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> Security in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta really love to beat this drum. <laughs> Back to these sensitive documents. Does this shock you? Tell me your feelings. Does it surprise you? What are the consequences of this this um, information being had? Uh, no surprise at all. You know, this is um, you know just what happens with these agencies. If if you're going to be doing any sort of attacking of uh, government organizations. Um, you're going to be going after sensitive files and data. You're going to try and maintain some persistence. Um, you're probably, you know, if you're doing something unique here, you're going to use some novel piece of ransomware that, uh, you know, if if that's what's required to get in there. Um, and then, yeah, like as always, you're going to exfiltrate whatever data you can, you know, particularly anything um, useful and, uh, you know, whatever your objectives are, right? So uh, I'm not surprised at all, uh, not shocked that uh, they were able to get domain administrator access either. Um, it would be interesting to find out where exactly they got those credentials, um, since I would uh, venture to guess that it is probably a, um, a spear phishing campaign that they could then have some you know, logs go back and look at their email servers and find out where that initially came from. But uh, I guess it's also possible it's an insider threat. There's always people looking to pay somebody to get credentials. But anyways, uh, yeah, not surprised at all. So that's how it goes. Back to the optimism thermometer. I think we're um, we're not hitting a healthy body temperature right now. That's <laughs> barometer of, um, of of optimism. Um, well, with that, I want to get into the hoodie ratings. But first, we must thank Alan Liska for sending the most creative Breaking Badness gift of all time. Um, he sent, and I'm holding them up to the camera as if you can see them, but you cannot. I'll try to send a picture on social on Puns and Roses. They are deconstructed hoodie stickers. Um, so you can actually use these for very objective hoodie ratings if you do not want to do a full hoodie. Um, but these are fantastic and were the most delightful package to ever receive. Um, so Alan, thank you for those. That completely made our week. Thank you so so much and as a quick reminder we're doing our ratings from a zero to ten hoodie rating um parkour rules you're trying to get there as creatively as possible and these deconstructed stickers surely will help i'm going to start with you tim what would you rate this at 
I have a question for Chad, uh, which is, what do you know about how much cross-authentication, cross-trust, et cetera, there is from one federal agency to the other? Because, you know, if they tend to keep things pretty isolated and they do a pretty good job of that, then that means that this one agency was compromised, but it didn't necessarily lead into other ones. However, if there's a well-known history where, you know, there's a lot of, um, of trust, uh, this could be, is there, basically what I'm wondering is, is there possibility of lateral movement in a big sense, like from agency A to agency B or C, um, based on what kind of uh, interconnections they have? So it's a little hard to necessarily know, you know, if, if, if the attacker was able to not just get a foothold in this one agency, but get one in a bunch of others, that would raise it. But as it is right now, I guess I would say, you know, this seems like it's maybe a six or so. Uh, they, It's been discovered. Presumably, it's getting cleaned up. Um, who knows uh, how how total the cleanup is right now. So, but it um, it's the kind of incursion you don't want to read about. Um, at the same time, I don't get the impression that it's a, you know, a sky is necessarily falling kind of uh, situation. If it were really bad, they probably, I don't know, they might not have disclosed it at this point or uh, uh, who knows. But anyway, that's so that puts me at about a six. Mm, Chad, would you agree with that? Where are you sitting? Yeah, I'd even, I would maybe put it a little bit slower even at a five just because it is uh, something that adds it, you know, unless you're working in government. Um, this probably isn't something as much to worry about. You know, it's a pretty small sector. And um, I think it would be scary, you know, if they were using some uh, O'Day, which maybe they were. Um, but uh, I happen to know that all uh, domain controllers for the government share the same password of password 1234 <laughs> um, by law. So Who needs uh, O'Day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what the O and O three six five stands for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I would do I would do five ten just because same thing. It's getting cleaned up. Uh, they probably wouldn't have posted it um, if it was more serious. Um, but uh, and yeah, this is uh, this is just something that kind of keeps happening. It sounds like it's probably pretty isolated as well. Um, if it was a, across a bunch of shared infrastructure, it would be a lot scarier. But um, you know, uh, this this seems not too bad. So found a novel piece of malware out, out of it. That's cool. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well, Chad, thank you for that deep tail, deep dive per usual. And now we're going to go on to our next article, which was what slipped through the net login. So in August 2020, Microsoft patched CVE 2020-1472, a.k.a. zero logon. Recently, Dirk Jan Malima explored a new way to exploit this vulnerability which, though it has a few more prerequisites, is safer to use for security professionals assessing network security. So, Tim, I'd love to kick off this conversation with a description of the vulnerability. Can you provide us with a brief summary? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first, I'll say that um, that language that Dirk used about the, the, his way is sort of safer for security professionals. I kind of got a chuckle out of that because what, what I think it really means is it's safer for attackers not getting discovered. Um, but, uh, it is safer also in the sense that if you're testing this, uh, like in a live environment, it is a way to confirm whether or not you're vulnerable without actually breaking stuff. Um, so we'll go into that a little bit more later, but, uh, zero logon, uh, allows for instant escalation to domain admin without credentials. So just ponder that for a second. 
Okay, everybody done pondering? Yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal. Um, it turns out that it's possible to forge an authentication token um, for some specific net logon functionality, and you can uh, call a function to reset the password. And the reason that can happen is because of a flaw in the crypto authentication scheme used by NetLogon. And that flaw uh, lets the attacker spoof any machine uh, on that in that environment, including the domain controller itself. Um, the attacker can send a, a string of zeros in NetLogon messages. And so at the heart of all of this is a failure in Microsoft's implementation of AES CFB8, where they failed to use unique random salts uh, for these net logon messages. And Kelsey, when random ain't random, the result can be pandemonium. <laughs> All you have to do to, uh, to, to, establish, to do this, by the way, is you have to have TCP connectivity to the domain controller. Um, and there are a lot of different ways that attackers can establish a minimal foothold in a network um, to get that. So uh, an exploit code for this is available. It's been available for a while. So um, as a consequence of all of this, uh, Homeland Security issued a directive uh, to patch your servers, uh, everybody within their, their purview. Um, and the due date on that was a week ago, uh, September 21st. So having said that, the ability to own the domain controller, I think we all agree that's uh, a fairly serious thing, yeah, is it not? Okay, good. Let's go on to the next topic. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so the straightforward way of exploiting this vulnerability where uh, you just reset the password um, could have some drawbacks for the attacker. Uh, it can break stuff within the domain controller and in the, the broader environment. And that happens because resetting that password puts the domain controller in an inconsistent state. Its own uh, original encrypted password is still in the registry and it's uh, in running in lsass.exe. Now, if you're, if you're in this just to kind of set stuff on fire and cause some havoc, that might be fine with you. But most attackers uh, probably have a bigger goal and they would want to be more stealthy. So the question then became, what if you could take control of the domain controller without changing the password? And that's where uh, Dirk Jan Malema's, I'm probably butchering his name, uh, his good work uh, comes into play. Tim, thank you. That was a great walkthrough. And so Dirk walks through an alternative way to exploit this vulnerability without having to reset at, uh, that computer account. So how does he do that? Yeah, so this way that he found is more elegant, at least it's more elegant if you're the attacker, and it is somewhat um, complex. And, uh, you know, if you're driving along in your car, I don't expect you're probably going to be able to just memorize what you need to do here. Uh, we'll have his blog post in the show notes, so you'll be able to find it. But NTLM is a key to this attack. Where do people drive issues. anymore? Yeah, that's right. Good good question. Okay. Well, okay. What is this NTLM protocol? So this seems like it's a, a clear sticking point here for the vulnerability and, and the weakness. So yeah. how is this been yeah, used and, in other types of attack? What does it mean? Sure. Yeah. NTLM is a very, very old Windows protocol. Um, and it uh, it has it governs a bunch of things for uh, network authentication. And this, um, uh, what... Uh, Dirk was able to do in this new uh, way to exploit zero logon is it takes advantage of NTLM's design and it allows an attacker to stand up a server um, that gets authenticated to and then the attacker relays the authentication messages to the real server, the one that they're trying to uh, compromise. 
And one way of achieving this is through something that uh, was known as the printer bug, um, which actually is a feature, but it's a feature that has some problems. And the main problem for our purposes is that an attacker can trigger um, at will NTLM authentication on any machine that has the spool service enabled, which a lot of machines, Windows machines will. So the aim here was to get the relayed connection to directly uh, authenticate to the RPC endpoint of uh, this uh, API that they have, the Directory Replication Service uh, API, DRSU API. And this is interesting because um, while most machine accounts aren't particularly privileged, this one uh, does. The ones that are using this API, domain controller accounts, they do have high privileges. Now, Dirk had to do a lot of tweaking to get this relaying to work. So it wasn't trivial. Um, it, the concept was fairly straightforward. The execution was fairly complex. And I won't go into all of the detail um, about that. It's in the blog post that we're going to link to. But um, long story short was that he succeeded with this. So with this, this kind of relay attack. So um, the conditions that uh, would allow this attack to succeed, assuming that the domain controller hasn't been patched, and um, also assuming that the, the attacker has that basic kind of first stage level of access to some machine that's on the same segment as the domain controller, um, there need to be two domain controllers in the domain because the relaying um, is going to be between uh, from one domain controller to another. That is not an uncommon um, configuration in networks, especially larger ones. Um, some account is needed to trigger the printer bug. There is proof of concept um, in uh, .NET that uses uh, single sign-on if you have access to a domain joined box. So that account is needed. The print spooler service has to be running on the domain controller. But again, that's, that's pretty common. And one of the only tricky things, um, according to him, is um, being able to bind uh, port 445 uh, for an incoming SMB connection. Sometimes that can be tricky in Windows, but obviously it's not impossible. Um, and Dirk's got uh, proof of concept code and PCAPs of the attack on his GitHub. So this is um, this is definitely exploitable. Um, I think there's probably no question that it's being exploited in the wild. Um, and if there was ever a <laughs> patch your stuff wake up call, uh, I would say that this vulnerability is certainly one of them. You know, if you weren't already concerned enough about it um, when the uh, news of zero logon first came out, um, now knowing that this more insidious way of exploiting it is uh, is possible. Um, should be somewhat alarming, especially for anybody that sort of in the back of their head knows that they haven't patched yet. And by the way, the when you use the method that he's describing here, it does not leave a lot of artifacts behind for defenders to spot. It'll be tricky to um, to suss this out and figure out if this is going on in your environment. So patch, patch, just patch. <laughs> Tim, my ulterior motive for this um this article that you actually chose, but something I really enjoyed is I feel like you surpassed the maximum number of acronyms ever used. Um, there were just so many. No way. I was hoping. <laughs> is there, there were a, a lot of them. I didn't expand that? all of them. <laughs> Can we also talk Comes about how. Comes back <laughs> He's been waiting. He's been stewing, preparing. Well, okay, let's get into that hoodie rating then. Um, I think Tim has made it slightly clear. We'll come back to you in a second, though, on where he stands. But Chad, what would you rate this at? Yeah, this is absolutely a, uh, it's like a full body hoodie. 
Um, so 10 out of 10 for certain. Um, uh, I didn't realize uh, onesie, just how. Honey. Yeah, it's a onesie, uh, onesie with a hoodie. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize how easy this was. I saw this vulnerability by the other day and uh, I'm glad that Tim brought this uh, revised attack. This is pretty typical, right? That a vulnerability drops. Um, someone puts out some proof of concept code that like has a 50% chance of crashing any box that it touches. And then someone comes along and refines it. I didn't realize it got this far. I guess, uh, you know, the only thing that may knock it down from a 10 out of 10 is that, uh, so many Windows admins probably only have a single domain controller and, uh, don't have a backup sitting around at all. <laughs> um, if I, if I know from the environments that I've been in. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely 10 out of 10, um, pretty serious. What do you think, Tim? Would you agree with that rating? Yeah, I mean, this this is just, this is absolutely a big deal. Um, and so uh, it, it's the good news, right? Is that like you've, you've he's, uh, Dirk shows all of this um, extremely sophisticated work that he did to, uh, to be able to come up with this new exploit. And uh, the domain admin can, shut the door on all of that by just uh, updating. You know, this went out in a patch Tuesday in August. So there's not really any excuse for not having uh, uh, secured yourself against this vulnerability. Um, if if all of what I just described was true and there were not a patch available yet, that would be like, we'd have to change the hoodie scale. Um, but yeah, but this is a big deal. Oh boy. Well, if you're listening and you have not patched these things, yeah, turn I off the recommend. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Go your stuff. Step away. <laughs> Step away from the podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hey, Tim, thank you. I know that one was a meaty article, to say the least. So thank you for going into all the detail that you did. You and Chad hit it out of the park. But I think it's time we have some fun. What do you think? Should we get in? You mean government compromise and, and scary vulnerabilities aren't fun, Kelsey? <laughs> Depends on your standpoint, I suppose. <laughs> Fun for some, not for others. <laughs> well, are you are you two ready for two truths and a lie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hit me. Okay. So just as a reminder for folks, we're playing, you know, the game that you've all heard of two truths and a lie, but rather than talking about ourselves and providing critical private information about each other. Lurid details. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead, we are coming up with three articles, two of which are true and one of which is a lie. And so I'm up this week. I'm trying to deceive my co-hosts. And of course, there's a point system. Tarek and Tim are going to be sharing points for a little bit. So um, Tarek, I, I hope you and Tim prepared for this moment. Um, Team T <laughs> is up at bat. So, okay. So here are the three articles are you ready hit me tiktok ticks off users with bug that crashes the app when video is sent to device qnap is in nas of trouble after products targeted by age locker ransomware and town sports fitness out of breath after suffering data breach affecting hundreds of thousands of customers mm. you know they all sound really plausible uh, and I'm going to go, I actually, I haven't, I would have to have heard, uh, all of the, uh, true stories to know for sure, uh, which one it is. So I'm going to speculate a little bit here and I'm going to say, because I haven't heard of that fitness company, I'm going to say that one's the lie. 
but uh, that's just my uh, uninformed guess in this case. Okay, Chad, what do you think? Town Sport Fitness sounds like the gym that Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite would work out at. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's how he's going to throw that football over the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that said, uh, I am going to go with the TikTok one. So I feel like I've had a pretty good pulse on TikTok news lately. Um, which is actually also where I get all of my news, um, obviously, because uh, I'm hip <laughs> with the kids. Do you get my video? Uh, uh, no, because it probably crashed, and I'm probably wrong. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to say that one is a. Uh, I'm going to say that one's uh, the lie. I feel like I would have heard some children groaning about that um, and not getting some their youth. latest whatever they do on the TikTok. <laughs> whatever they do, have you two seen the meteor? TikTok. I did not see this on the app, but I saw it on a browser version. No. It's a a young woman dressed up as an angel and as God. And God says to the angel, did you give the dinosaurs more muscle? And the angel said, what? And God says, did you make them a little meteor? And then the angel said, make them a meteor? <laughs> God's like, yeah, make them a little meteor. And then they're realizing it and they're both crying and it's just going back and forth. It's very, Uh-oh. very fun. Whoops. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So okay. All right. That's- <laughs> all right. Drum roll, please. I've got a room full of drums oh. here, but I wasn't ready. Oh my gosh. We'll prepare this for next time. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone oh. just freaked out. <laughs> it yeah, it was like, what? Tim actually has timpanis, no pun intended, behind him. Um, yeah. We should have you enter one time with that, too. I just want them to be tuned properly. To the boom, boom, we should record boom. an actual like drum, uh, you know, and then have it on like a large button we can press. For, yes. For this. I think that, yeah. Sound effects. <laughs> a yeah. button, button, a large button. <laughs> we'll Sound effects of plenty could be generated in this room, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, we're going to have some fun with that. I can only imagine. <laughs> okay. All right. I've left you in suspense for too long. The TikTok one was the lie. It was Instagram. And rather than a video, it was an image, I believe. But. The TikTok ticks off was too fun not to try to play with for a title. Mm-hmm. I will be, I will be um, transparent. Um, so wait, yes, you're saying there is something called Town Sport Fitness? Huh. Yes, it is. I don't have one near me. Yeah, I it's was next to the Cracker a, Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I was just going to say a gym, and then when I saw beneath in the article Town Sport Fitness, I thought that was too juicy not to include in title so it worked indeed excellent excellent work sorry Tarek I owe you a beer I think what this means is well Chad Chad has a point and I have a point I can't remember if we were tied last time or if Chad was up I think we were tied oh we I were tied was... okay oh, so we're we still tied. tied neck okay. in neck tied mm-hmm. mm, interesting mm. all right well Tarek will remain the Tarek Tim Tamarek um, Team T. We'll have to come up with a fun way to uh, refer to Team T. 
Two teas. Um, two teas. Two teas talk. All right. Well, thank you both for another great episode. We'll be back next week. We're going to be shifting around the guests a little bit. So you're going to hear from different folks. But I believe next week is Tarek and Tim. So you'll hear from them on episode 62 of Breaking Badness. Tim, so wonderful to have you back. Thanks for making your return. Great to be back. We've missed you. And um, Chad, glad you're still here. <laughs> we'll give you some love. We'll too. go anywhere. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. go anywhere. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>